This is the Savvy Parent Podcast, where lawyer and financial planning expert Shannon McNulty and her guests share tips on how to make smart legal and financial decisions for your family. On this episode of the Savvy Parent Podcast, Shannon shares critical information for parents who have children with special needs. While it's important that every parent has a complete estate plan, it's even more essential when your child or children have needs that will require more care and finances in the event that something happens to you. Shannon once again helps us get clear on the steps we need to take to protect our children and what we need to know to make sure that parents of children with special needs have the right pieces in place legally, financially, and practically. Enjoy the episode. Well, Shannon, welcome back as always to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. Great being here. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a really important subject today. Um, But before we kind of dive into specifics, for anyone who has not uh, heard one of our episodes, let's start with kind of a general understanding of what is an estate plan. Sure. Your estate plan is basically an emergency plan of what needs to happen to make sure your kids are taken care of, um, both uh, personally and financially, if something were to happen to you. Yeah. And we never like to talk about this, but it is important that we have a good understanding. And today we're focusing in on parents who have children with special needs. So when it comes to having a child or children with special needs, why is it so important that parents do have their estate plan completed? Um, I know we've had a number of episodes where we talk about the importance of estate planning. And when you have a child with special needs, it just becomes all that more important. Um, just because they're a lot more vulnerable um, than if you have kids who might not need as as much, it might be easier to get their needs met. It might be easier for somebody to step in and take care of them. Whereas if you have a child with special needs, it can be really, really difficult for someone who is not there day in and day out to take over those roles. They may have a lot more um, needs in terms of their medical needs, their dietary needs, their routine, all of these things that can um, just cause, obviously, the loss of a parent is terrible for anyone, any child. But if you have a child with special needs, um, it's just a lot harder uh, for someone else to fill that role. Absolutely. I think as a parent, you know, imagining anyone taking on that role for you, feels impossible to really think about. But yeah, if your your kids have extra needs that um, you really are so dialed into and you take care of so well to have another person do that for them and for you can be very overwhelming. So what do parents need to know when it comes to their estate plan and making sure that their children are taken care of, um, as you said, sort of physically and then the financial aspect of it as well? Yeah. Making sure, obviously, that you have the correct documents in place. So that's going to be similar to what you need in other situations when you have young kids. So that's a will, a trust, your power of attorney, healthcare proxy. But you want to make sure that the trust has special provisions for that child so that um, if the child is in a position when they get older, that they need, that they're not able to take care of themselves. So they're not able to financially provide for themselves. Then um, they may need to rely on governments of a government program to help them with that. If you leave the inheritance to a child, that child outright, or even in certain types of trusts, it can disqualify them 
from those programs. So the money is really just being used for their medical care and it's just being spent down and can be depleted really quickly depending on the child's needs. Whereas if you have a trust, um, a special type of trust, we might call it a, um, a supplemental needs trust or a special needs trust, the money can be held in the trust and it won't affect the eligibility of that child for government benefits. So the child can both benefit from the money that's in the trust and then also for the child's basic needs um, to rely on the government benefits. And that's important to know, especially if you have multiple children and maybe one has more or different needs than another. It's not as simple as I want to leave things equally to each child because that it sounds like that money can impact them differently. And in some ways, negatively, if the child is able to utilize, like you said, sort of government programming to help support them moving forward. Yeah. And this is something it used to be that there was not a way to leave it to a trust that would insulate it for government benefits. And what was happening happening was that parents would not leave their child anything so that they could qualify. And it's not going to, that inheritance isn't going to disqualify them, but they might leave it to another sibling and expect that the sibling helps take care of the child um, or the the other, you know, the sibling with special needs. But that didn't always happen. So you're really putting um, the child uh, with greater needs at a disadvantage by just cutting them out of the will entirely. So this, you know, leaving it to a trust is just a much, much better solution for for that to address that issue. And would you say that's true um, sort of from state to state or does that does that vary depending on where you live and where your children are? Very slightly, but in most states, I think probably in all states, you have that kind of uh, an option because the, um, the, the government needs, it's a combination of state and federal rules. Uh, but I, I don't know of any state where you can't leave the money to a trust and it would be protected. Okay, that makes sense. And now what do parents need to be aware of about their children or child with special needs when they turn 18? How is that sort of um, considered when planning your estate plans? Um, You know, legally, they're possibly becoming an adult, but they still might require needs like a child. So how does that come into play? Yeah, so this isn't something so much that's part of your actual estate plan, but it's just important if you do have a child and we're not talking about a slight disability here. We're talking about, you know, we're not talking about dyslexia. Though. We're not talking about something like that. We're talking about severe autism, cerebral palsy, you know, something that really makes it impossible for the child to get a job and actually support themselves um, or even make decisions at all for themselves. And so in that case, um, when they turn 18, it's really important that the parent get guardianship over the child so that they can make medical decisions for the child so that they can manage the child's finances and do whatever is necessary legally to, um, to do what what's necessary to, you know, to, for the child to take care of themselves and get by. Okay. So if I'm understanding correctly, sort of outside of the will and the estate plan, the parent would become or maintain guardianship 
over the child when they turn 18. So then that leads me to sort of have questions about how is guardianship uh, considered or passed along in uh, the estate plan for kids with special needs? Um, Yeah, so it's not really something that can be passed along other than what we typically do for any child. So we designate a guardian for the child, um, both in the will, and we usually do a temporary guardianship as well um, until to serve until the person who's designated in the will is appointed. The, The only difference really in this situation is that it's a lot harder for parents to pick that person because it's, you know, if somebody has other children, it just requires so much more care and time and attention from the potential guardian. So it can be a lot harder for the parent to figure out who that person is. And also, it's a lot more important to make sure you've had that conversation with the person, because having that kind of um, responsibility asked of you is is obviously significant. So you want to address the issue, make sure you address that issue beforehand to make sure that that person would be okay with it. Yeah. So just so our our listeners are understanding, are there additional steps that need to be taken around guardianship for your child or children with special needs versus those who, like you said, um, won't require this level of care once they turn 18? Again, this is if anything happens to us as parents. Um, when that support is needed. So anything that different that needs to occur? I would say legally, no, um, in terms of your estate planning. Practically, yes, because it's a lot more important to, like I said, make sure that that person is okay with it. And also just think about what it is that they would need um, and have a And in the last episode, we talked about other types of planning beyond your legal documents and sort of the practical plans and the guidance for your guardian, the guidance for your trustee, things like that. And in this case, that those things just play such an enormous role because the child's medical needs, the child's doctors, any kind of therapeutic support the child gets. So all of these things um, are are just it's just critical to make sure someone knows exactly what is needed for that child. Right. And we hate this question every time we we bring it up, but what's the worst case scenario when these documents, these additional practical pieces are not in place? I mean, it's horrible in any situation, but I think we can all sort of realize that it it's more horrible <laughs> if that's even possible. Um when you do have a child especially with these severe additional needs as as you've mentioned. Yeah, if you don't have a guardian, um, if nobody kind of steps in to take on that role, not only the child could end up in foster care, but they may have a harder time placing the child in foster care. And so the child could end up in institutional care. So, you know, that it's just there just are not any great options in, in that scenario. Yeah. And I can imagine too, if there's multiple siblings involved, some with special needs, some with not, as you said, it might be harder to place one child. Um, and so to keep siblings together would be really difficult if you as the parent have not figured out who the guardian is and gotten all of that in place ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really heartbreaking. And again, for our parents, we hope we never have to put these pieces into place, but um, this is, this is important too, because as we've said, um, you know, some of your kids are going to need 
care and support long after other of your children. So these pieces will come into play maybe well down the road for you. So it's good to understand um, kind of what needs to be done. Now, since we talk about legal and financial planning, and that's part of what you do, we want to make sure our listeners know about the ABLE Act. So what can you share about this? What do we need to know? So the ABLE Act is something that's relatively recent. I think maybe within the last five years or so, five or 10 years, it was enacted. And it's basically a way for a tax efficient way for parents to save for the care of their child, of a child with a disability. For children who do not have special needs, we use, uh, it's analogous to a 529 plan. So a 529 plan is something that you put money in to save for your child's college education. And there are tax benefits to doing that. The money that is, that the income as the money grows in those accounts, it's not taxable. Um, It's not taxable when the money comes out. And you can also get a tax deduction in many states. Um, So there was sort of, I think, a feeling within the special needs community that this wasn't really fair because children who had certain needs and maybe could not attend college, were not able, did not have that capability, they were kind of put at a disadvantage because they actually needed, had a greater need to save for their children. And yet they didn't have, the child wasn't going to be able to go to college most likely. And so they felt like they were actually disadvantaged. They couldn't put money away in a 529 plan because it would end up, they wouldn't be able to use it for education. So it would not have the, they would actually end up being penalized. So the ABLE Act was a way for um, parents to save for a child's needs and sort of whatever their care may be. There's a list of different things, but a lot of therapy, um, things that child who has a disability might need in the future. And so it's a great um, vehicle if you can afford to save that extra money. Um, it's a great way to do that. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, I think a lot of us are familiar with the 529 accounts. And I know you said this is called the ABLE Act. So would people be looking for, are they called ABLE accounts? Is there a different account name that they should be asking about? at their bank or financial institution? Uh, yeah, they could just call it an ABLE account. Most you know, banks and financial institutions and financial advisors are all pretty well aware of these. They're, they're quite common. So, so definitely just go and ask your bank or your financial advisor um, how to start one. And then um, you, could, you could just start saving right away. That's great. And then what about insurance policies? Um, What do parents need to consider when they do have a child with special needs? Yeah, this is another area where I think it is a little bit different because when we're planning for um, parents with children who do not have special needs, then we're really looking at maybe a 20, maybe 30 year timeframe in terms of like if something happened to the parent how long would it take until that child was self-sufficient? And so you're basically looking at that timeline in terms of um, funding for the life insurance. You want the life insurance to last, to be able to provide for the child for 20 years or 25 years, something like that. Um, When you have a child who may not be financially independent at 20, 25, 30, 40, then you're looking at a much longer time horizon. So 
generally it's going to be recommended that you have a, lar uh, a larger policy and also that you have a longer term policy so that it's not that money is probably going to be needed by the child regardless of whether you know they lose a parent at age five or they lose a parent when they're 30. So you don't want a term policy maybe in this case where it's going to run out when the child gets older because they're still going to be needing the money. So, yeah. um, so that's where you really want to talk to um, their financial advisor or life insurance agent to see what is the best option for you. So there, you know, there's definitely different uh, options in terms of different investments and things like that to cover it. But you just want to make sure that you have a financial plan in place. So this is where the financial planning and the estate planning all come together. Um, and you want to just make sure that, you know, the child would be taken care of uh, if there was something that happened to you, as well as, you know, in the future, you're going to be saving as well for possibly a long time in terms of uh, the care that the child would need. Yeah. Well, you've given so many great pieces of information and advice. Are there any other areas that our families need to be aware of on this topic? Um, I, you know, I think I would just reiterate that the practical planning of this is really important. I would just say the financial piece of it with the life insurance is doubly important. And then also the, the practical planning of giving the guidance to the guardian, really talking with the guardian about how this care would be able to be continued and exactly what the needs of the child are and what would be needed to fund that. Yeah. And as we've, you know, gone through a number of episodes on different topics, there's certain pieces that we've said, okay, you can DIY this and don't DIY this. And I would imagine this is one of our topics that we would recommend you get the professionals involved to make sure that this is really done right, that you've got all of those pieces, the the legal documents, the practical pieces that all of it's really together um, so that your kids are taken care of. Hopefully it's not anytime soon that this needs to go into place, right? But then even down the road, your children are going to need care and support. Yeah, absolutely. So really just covering the legal basis, the financial with the life insurance and the practical with providing the guidance. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for once again, taking a, a challenging and complicated topic and really helping parents understand what they need to know. I really hope that it was helpful. Thank you. We hope we've been able to answer your questions and concerns when it comes to creating an estate plan when you have children with special needs. For additional legal and financial planning advice, visit us at thesavvyparent.us, where you can also join our free community.